0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. Hi. I'm your co-host Tom Bilyeu and I'm here with Lisa Bilyeu. What yes. is up, homegirl? How we doing?
1: Good, how are you doing?
0: Good, thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Jared sorting the TV out. My
0: man, Jared, <laughs> Agent Smith, coming to the rescue yeah. as always. Yeah.
1: Um okay I've got a question from Frank Wright this is from last week on Facebook. Okay. Frank Wright says I make significantly more money than my partner almost four times the amount. Okay. In addition I work from home. Does that make me still on the hook for doing all of or most of the house chores like cooking, cleaning, laundry, etc. This taken into consideration social gender norms and roles.
0: <laughs> oh. Wow, we've got some landmines to start with. Yeah, All right. Like to throw well, are you in the um, deep end? Okay, so. Danger, 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 Will Robinson, to think that the money that you make Mm -hmm. uh, has anything to do with the chores you need to do, but I think that agreeing to what is valuable is very important. So, for instance, you love to fuss, and, like, tidiness is of high, high, high importance to you. We're going
1: to keep having this debate, because it's not that I like to. No, it is. It's that I prefer things to be neater, so if I have to fuss, I'll fuss.
0: I'm telling you right now, and I don't want to derail from... My wife has a neurological condition where the more effort something <laughs> takes, she likes it better. I, pro- I, You will never be able to convince me otherwise. I've had too many years of seeing you in action. <laughs> like food tastes better if it was harder to make, to prepare. Like if there is a hundred ways to do something, you will find the one way that is the most extravagantly like prepared. A hundred percent. Like just for whatever reason, embrace that that is a okay. thing for you. And I know because just like in the movie, um, what was it? Unbreakable? The M. Night Shyamalan movie? I think it's unbreakable. Um, Where you've got one character who's unbreakable and then you have the other who's like Mr. Glass or whatever and he breaks really easily. So you like things that require an additional level of fussing that makes it better for you okay. which is like a thing by the way so like trying to see where you're to, going with it i'll this. get there so like when people um do rush in a fraternity or whatever they haze them and because of that the investment to get in is so high that they prize it that much more because they're in i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum okay. to me something is more valuable the less effort it takes so like if um there is an easier way to prepare the meal then i'll do it that way a hundred percent like paper plate cold instead of heated mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like there's actually a value to minimizing the effort of um, what I'll call non-consequence, non-consequential tasks. Okay. So things like that just aren't that valuable to me. But so you and I are opposite ends of the spectrum of that. All right, back to this poor man's okay, question. I'm so
1: wondering how you're going to tie this together.
0: No, that oh. that was you like oh. interjecting. I was just oh. telling people like you trying to tell lies and say that like it isn't that you like fussing. You love fussing the most. Okay. And it adds value to your life. All right. Fine. No worries. So. Don't make the mistake of thinking that um, because you make more money that that means that you have less responsibilities. If you have more free time, it would probably be a very advantageous thing to the relationship um, to ident- Well, agree on what those important things are and then take some of those off the table. Um, one thing that I told my lovely wife, for instance, was I would never have a lawn ever, ever, ever under any circumstance until I could pay somebody else to deal with it because I hate that so much. And as a kid, it was one of those things I was forced to mow the lawn and rake leaves and all that stuff. And I hated it so (laughs) aggressively that I said, yeah, I will never have a yard until I can pay somebody to take care of it, which I stayed true to that promise. Um, So, yeah, to me, it it the hard part is agreeing on what's actually important, what's actually valuable, because that's where like you and I have a big discrepancy Um, because you would you do yard work? You definitely would do housework. There's no question yeah, about that. Yeah, if I that. had
1: to, for sure. Like, if, I, if it had to. If it was I leave my yard super messy. Don't have a yard. No, I would still have a like, yard. Like
0: I would have lived in a condo yeah, until I, really I could would. afford to pay it. And off.
1: look, actually, that's really fascinating with just the um, mentality because, yeah, I think I would have a yard and then take care of it. Yeah, we um, never do that. But that's part of your personality, and I think that that's how you actually do... Um, have been able to, you know, like basically envision this and then build it is you don't waste your time on the little things. And I I understand that I actually do waste my time on the little things. And that's part of even just going back to the fussiness of it is I think a part of you is like, why am I wasting my time? This isn't going to get make get me anywhere forward, right? It's not going to improve my life in any way, shape or form. I'm going to use a play and then it gets dirty again. I'm going to reuse the play. So all the time that I'm spending to wash the play, I could be reading, learning. And so I think that that's a big part of what um, how you see things. Like for me, it's that mo- momentary like pleasure of having a proper plate I don't know I mean not to get derailed on the dishes but um, I think discussing it though is very important because let's say for instance with chores and we had decided okay so it's the laundry the dishes and dusting like if those were the three things I think over time you would be bitter having to do the washing of the plates even if it was um, like and let's say we divided it up. I think you'd be it start to weigh on you because you're like, I'd rather use paper plates. Like this is a complete waste of my time. And I think then we'd have that discussion of, um, well, okay, you don't want to wash plates, so then I'll take that chore. That's my responsibility. Um,
0: yeah. So bringing it back to the question, I'll say that gender norms are um, totally irrelevant. You'll get yourself into a trap with that. So agree on what's important, that's one, and not necessarily easy, and we could do a whole conversation about that. We won't, but we could, um, but defining what's important, um, defining like what are make or breaks for you, so like the yard thing for me, that that was a non-negotiable, so um, it was a promise I made myself when I was a kid because I hate it so much and there was just no way that I was going to break that, um, and then really like being thoughtful like I and this is like a hey this is bonus points like you if you guys agree these are the tasks that have to be done Um, do those tasks fine so be it and that's it and you could rock that forever and you've just done exactly what you agreed upon but I will tell you right now like if you want a really thriving relationship looking for ways to do nice things for the other person a it feels really really good Mm -hmm. like the other day I woke up really early on the weekend and I you have a ritual when you wake up, you tidy the kitchen, which is like crazy town to me. Like I literally, it's a, it is so fascinating that you would rather do that than like reading to me. Like when I first wake up, I like to read. Like that is, that's one of those great joys for me on the weekend mm. is if I wake up before you, I don't have to work out. which is oh God, it's so nice. I can put my headphones on and I can just read. Amazing. But I was like, you know what? Like, I know her ritual. I just want to do something sweet. And so I did the tidying up for you. It made me feel good. You liked it. It's one of those things that's just like good form to do nice things for the other person. So, I mean, it there are opportunities It made me feel like
1: that. really heard and bonded with you because I was like, you know I like to do it. I never asked you to do it. It's not that I like to. I like the kitchen to right. be clean. And so when I woke up, and because you don't ever do that, like, I woke up and I was like, wow, did I... Did I go on autopilot last night and clean the kitchen like and I and I forgot because that was my instinct because you never do it and I was like no I remember going to bed thinking oh god this is a mess and then when I woke up and you like it meant so much to me like. Forget about money, forget about like doing anything like extravagant, like it felt so much so much to me because I, I felt like you knew me and I felt like you knew how that would make me feel waking up with such a lovely clean kitchen. And like, that was so nice of you and you didn't have to do it. And I think that's a big part of it as well. Like responsibilities versus just doing something nice for somebody, like almost when it's a responsibility, like, yeah, that was like part of our deal, which I think is actually risky um, because you can then take, not take advantage, but you just take people for granted. And that's one thing Mean you don't do, and we make an effort too. So like on the weekend, I make you breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, both Saturday and Sunday. And when I do every time. You thank me like eight times. You thank me when I give you, baby, thank you so much for making this. And then you'll be like, you'll take your first bite and you're like, baby, this is so lovely. Thank you so much. And then you do it midway. But by the end, like um, I feel like, all right, baby, you don't have to keep going on. But you make it such a point because... That's our agreement. On the weekends, I'm going to cook for you. So you could absolutely take it for granted and not say two words about it, but you don't. And it's those tiny little things where people always say, like, how are you and Tom so strong? It's those little things.
0: Yeah. So there you have it. It creates a really wonderful opportunity um, to, when you want and don't fall into the trap of then feeling obligated to like do something. But when there's little opportunities like that, you're feeling it, you can do it. It's amazing. Um, My big thing is be aggressively who you are, right? So I'm never going to have a yard until I can take care of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like, I'm, I don't prize tidiness. At least I didn't when we weren't working in the house. Now that we're working in the house, obviously it's a different story, but um, like I don't prize tidiness. So, but that if, if I'm not prepared to do it, I shouldn't expect you to do it, mm-hmm. and so that's where I think people get into trouble and I remember I had very good friends growing up. they had a kid quite young, and um, they used to get in huge fights over like not cleaning up the apartment and because she was like, "I'm raising a child like it is all consuming in a way you don't understand, but and he's thinking, I go to work, and you know his job was mm-hmm. not easy. I go to work, I do this, I work crazy long hours, I'm the only one making money like I want you to take care of the kid and clean the house. Right? And it was their first kid and they were young. So it's like, they didn't, I'm going to guess if I were in that situation, he probably didn't quite understand like how much time and energy a child takes. Mm. And so on top of that, to also have to like tidy up, which from my understanding, and I don't have kids, but from my understanding, kids are like whirling dervishes and they just like make everything a mess, like instantly. And so I've got to imagine that's pretty taxing. So do
1: you think it's more about time than intensity? Because he's saying like, I work from home, but like I'm earning X amount. So like, A, I don't know if she's like, if she's working just as hard, mm. um, you know, like let's say she works t- eight, 10 hours and he works eight, 10 hours, but he's earning more. Can, like, can that's I where it really gets look into this? Yeah.
0: And now I'm guessing, admittedly, but I'm going to reach into this situation a little bit. I'm going to guess he's thinking, why even bother working? I make 4X what you make. Stay home, clean, tidy, Um, like a more traditional Mm -hmm. relationship. But maybe they're not married. Maybe they're not in the point where he can sort of push that agenda. And she like wants to maintain like her stuff. And he's thinking, meaning like her own identity, universe, all that, like doesn't want to be thinking of herself as a parent. I don't know. I'm guessing. Um, But I could see where that would become a sticking point where it's like... I'm out here like sure I work from home but like I'm really because it would the question was should I still have to be the one to do more right, stuff right exactly. because I'm working from home Right. Um, and yeah I would say not and I would say um, if you like yeah I don't I don't want to keep repeating it. Write down like agree what needs to be done. Agree you what you're going to do, not going to do. Who's things. responsible for what? Yeah. Don't make it based on money. And yeah. then if you have money to throw at the problem, like one thing that I would say to you with no hesitation: here are the things I'm responsible for. I'm paying for somebody to do it. I'm not going to waste my time on that. Like mm-hmm. I would have no qualms about that. Um, and but conversely, if you wanted to do the same thing, like I like, hey, here's our spending money. Like if I choose to spend mine on that, so I don't have to do chores. Like so be it. You have the option to. But also we've
1: discussed it because when we first started getting someone to help clean the house, it was like, I felt so guilty because part of me just, I guess, being Greek and being brought up where like the woman is going to get married and take care of the husband. Like I actually felt guilty about paying someone else to do it. But once you were just like, are you joking? Like think of all the things you could do. Like, let's do this. So we decided to have someone come help. Um... It was like, once I made that switch in my mind, it was such a relief and now I don't feel guilty and now I still get the things cleaned that I want cleaned. So, um, yeah, I think being uber specific, you hit the nail on the head, I think for me, is writing everything down, allocating who does what, where's priority, um, and then just, yeah, that way you don't feel bitter or resentful that, oh my God, I'm washing the dishes and I don't even bloody use the dishes. Right.
0: And be honest, because that's how resentment builds up. You didn't push yeah. an issue that you actually care about, and it spirals out of control. All right, we yeah. should
1: move on. All right, want to do a couple of shout outs? Let's do it. Um Ro Serwa from Cameroon.
0: Wow, hey, Cameroon Roe. in the house.
1: Um, Manuel Gans from Austria. Nice. And Goncalo Costa from Portugal. Nice. So, right, way to sh- yeah. what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us. And just a reminder, please share this video to win two Impact Theory mugs. And all you have to do is, I guess, you have to share it and then screen grab Screenshot
0: it, it, send it to Connect to at Connect at
1: Impact Theory. So share, share, share if this was bringing you value. Thank you, guys, and please submit some questions. And um, we're answering live. Um, so yeah, submit questions and we'll get to answer them. All right.
0: has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Okay. So this question with this um marisol has asked twice in two different episodes so i feel like marisol thank you for being very persistent respect that um so we should really answer the question let's do it um i would like to ask if at all possible um and haven't answered this before we have but we can go deeper um how do you handle the decision of not having kids first between you and then with the family Thank you.
0: Man, this is a question that's really on people's minds. Like we get, mm-hmm. in, do, we get asked this like every week. We just don't always answer it every week. Mm. But this has got to be like the most pervasive question we get asked, which is very interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, look, I think just growing up thinking I was always going to have kids and then finally deciding that we're not going to have kids is a big deal. And um, I think it's bigger... God, I don't want to... Yes, no, in fact, I'm going to say it's bigger for a woman than it is for a guy because you've been, at least for me, like my entire life, when you have kids and when I become a grandmother, that's all I hear from my wonderful mother out there. Um, (laughs) But like literally my parents... Growing up, all they want to do is be grandparents. So that obviously weighs massively on my mind that I feel like I've let them down and the purpose of them having me is so that I can then procreate and
0: all true by the way. Right.
1: Uh, Yes, exactly. So I just feel bad that they've done they did such an amazing job as parents to me, and like I feel like I'm not kind of giving them back what they want. So like I actually do struggle with that a bit. I don't struggle enough though for it to make a difference in my decision hmm. I, that doesn't even weigh on me like yeah I feel bad but um
0: I literally don't experience peer pressure
1: yeah I know you yeah. like
0: this is such a non-entity for me um and I don't know but when like, I
1: met you you I'm even said stubborn. like I might get married like on our first date you have that discussion you were even like yeah maybe I'll get married like maybe I'll have kids you were never like this is how I envision my life to be right
0: Yeah. And honestly, like when we met, I did think I would have kids. Like it's so culturally programmed that that's what you do. But I wasn't doing it because I felt pressure. I was doing it just because there were certain things that as I formulated a vision for what my future was going to be, that it was just, you know, built around the culture. And that's what you did. And um, like, There there are all these little assumptions that you have as you're growing up. So it was assumed that I would go to college, which I did. I never, like literally, I never once, not for a second, considered not going to college. It never crossed my mind that that was even an option. So at that age, it was like, you get married, you have kids. And then I started thinking, wait, I'm not getting married. Like, this is crazy. I'm actually a little surprised how soft I was when you and I met. um, Because right before we met, I was like, yeah, I'm not getting married And um so like as I'm go you know getting older, like these things are starting to change. But for a long time I thought I was gonna have kids. And then I I mean honestly, some of this comes from the research. I just read a book by Sam Harris, which by the way, like Sam Harris makes me feel badly about myself in the best possible way. But like I don't know if Dr. Finesse can hear me right now, but I would love to get that guy on the show. Like his mind is unbelievable. And he was talking about how like He has a kid and from what I can tell, like is absolutely enthralled by her. But at the same time, like literally almost in the same breath is like, but every, not every study, but virtually every study done about having children says that your levels of self-reported happiness plummet when you have kids and they don't return to normal until the kids leave. Like, it's not like you adapt and you know, like around 10 or 11, like not until they leave. And he was like, but yet. People convince themselves that they're somehow going to be the exception to that. And of course, like everybody thinks that, that they're above average. Like, and that's why, like, during the Mel Motivation or Garbage thing, uh, the game show that we did, it was like I was pushing that agenda so hard. Like, kids, statistically speaking, you are average. Like, let's all embrace that. And then it's about, okay, well, you, may, you might start from average, but what can you do from there? But anyway, so he's talking about this notion like having kids is almost certainly, like statistically speaking, Mm -hmm. it's going to depress your levels of happiness. They're not going to rise back up until the kids leave. You're almost certainly one of those people. Don't think that you're like the exception to the rule. And as I started like reading those studies, I was just like, ah, like this doesn't make a lot of sense. And what's the one thing that like I really push back on? Things that demand my time. Giving things my time is one thing, but things that demand my time, that's very frustrating. And I used to say that one of the most amazing things that ever happened to you and I was we moved somewhere where we had no family. So we have no family obligations. So we never have like a standing obligation anywhere we can do what we want, when we want. um, And that's...
1: But we never approached it from that perspective. You never approached it from that perspective. Okay, so I never approached it. Um, I really when we were talking about having kids and the discussion, like, we just kind of assumed we were going to. So it wasn't like, are we going to, are we not? It was, we assumed we were going to. And then it started transitioning into, should we? Like, before we actually do, we really should talk about what this is going to do to our lives. And at first I remember, like, you're so amazing about talking about taboo subjects, right? Like, the things were literally, I'm like, I can't believe he just said that. Like, that's you know, like in society, people would be like throwing tomatoes at you once upon a time forever suggesting that you're selfish enough to want to be my number one. You don't want to share that with children. Like, I remember when you said that, like, look, I want to be your number one. And the second you have a baby, like nature's going to make sure that my attention's on the baby, not on you. And I remember going, Oh my God, I can't believe like, wow. Like that's so selfish of him. And then I was like, but why is that bad? Like, why is being honest about what's truly going to make you happy a bad thing? Like, even if it's selfish. And um, once I was like, okay, like, don't take that as such a negative, just really listen to what he's saying. And the fact that you could be so honest about it um, was very, very necessary for us to have that discussion where it was like, ha- If you want children, you actually said this to me, like, if this is something that is so important to you, and that's, people always say, like, what is your love language? The word important is a big thing for us. Like, if I said it's important to me, like, I don't feel like I could be the woman that I want to be without having children, you said I would never stop you from doing that. Because just like where I'd never ask you to not be ambitious, you would never ask me to not have a fulfillment in my life if I really wanted it. So, for, you know, obviously you're not closing that door and saying, look, I don't want kids. So if you want children, you know, like this marriage isn't going to work. You didn't do that. But you were very honest about it. And then when I thought, what's wrong with him wanting to be my number, my number one? Like that is the most, honestly, one of the most romantic things you could say to me. Because I'm that important to you that you want to be my number one, like so. In reframing it in my mind like that, I didn't feel defensive about like no, but I want kids, and like you're so selfish. Like it just brought everything down. And then I actually had a conversation with one of my friends, and I don't think she realised it when she said it, but she was talking about her kids. I think at the time her kid was like four or five or something, um, and she said like we were talking about like husbands and having kids and how that affects you and she turned around she was like oh if my husband was jealous of my kid like I would put a stop to that immediately like I think it's she used this word I think it's disgusting if a guy is um, jealous of their child because of the attention and I was like but that's not embracing human nature right Right? like it's not like she's saying like oh the husband's coming home saying get rid of the kid like abandon (laughs) it because like i want to be number one but if the guy is vocalizing i need more time with you like i actually don't want to be with my son or my daughter today like i just want to spend time with you or like i want attention right you're giving the child all this attention and i don't think they'll ever most people never say outright like that but it might come out in little things that they do um but it's like I think you need to empower each other if you do have kids to be able to be honest so that you can recognize those insecurities or the times that the other person needs that intimate relationship and may feel like they're losing it. Because if you can't talk about it, how do you fix it? And, you know, that's my one worry about why people get divorced is they lose the connection between each other. And then over time, when I personally started um, getting more involved and we started Quest and I was working full time and working nonstop, but finding this different side to me, I was like, do I want to give this up? So it was really, for me, it was asking all those questions. Like, what am I sacrificing if I have children? What am I willing to do if I have kids? Like, I told myself, I don't want someone else bringing up my children. Like, I'm not interested in that. If I'm going to have children, I want to be there for them which to me meant I had to, okay, well, either go part-time or give up my profession. And then I thought, what would that do to mine in your relationship, right? Because me and you, we connect so much over building something together. And I see you grow, right? Like, at least every week, I see you implementing, like, oh, wow, like, I saw you try that. And that really worked. Like, I'm so proud of you, because you told me you were reading about it. And so, like, Being there and seeing those small little progressions of growth, like just, I think it really does bond us. And um, I don't want to give that up. And so once we finally decided we weren't going to have kids, um, I had to learn to be okay with it because I felt like women were judging me. And And I felt like the maybe insecurity within myself, but also because they were, because they think of you as less of a woman, or oh, you must not be nurturing then, that must be, you know, just a tough side of you with no soft side. So people have all these preconceived notions of why you've chosen a career over having kids. Once I got over that, my poor mom would ask us, literally how often would she ask us? Every time e- every she spoke. Time. Every time. Like, so is it like one year away? Is it two years? And eventually I just said, mom, I, I, I don't want to break your heart, but I'm going to be brutally honest. We've decided not to. And she got all teary eyed. Mm. And like, it hurt me to tell her because for her she was losing something right. right this this thing that she'd had for the last 25 30 years of envisioning being a grandmother at least f- for us having kids right it was the reality just two of the kids
0: I'll throw that out there, yeah right.
1: who don't have children either but right. um but yeah and then again just approaching it like and still my dad my dad bless him he's like why do you have this money if you're not going to be able to pass it on right. to your children who you're gonna pass it on to your dogs and you know but like like he actually says that over and over again right. but for us it's not about that right it's about using the money to be able to then create and have impact on the world yeah. and it's not about what happens like when we die Because, what are the statistics on like um, wealthy people
0: that. T shirt to t shirt in three generations.
1: Yeah, explain what that means. Generation
0: one builds the wealth, generation two um, enjoys the wealth, and then generation three loses the wealth. Yeah. And they end up back in the t shirt. Right. So. So, I mean, that's whatever, though. I mean, like, you want to believe that you can. uh, I could go down that derail. I won't, because she asked? The person that asked the question was a woman, right?
1: Yes, it was. So she asked the
0: second part, which is how do you um, deal with the family? So that was a very um, eloquent, by the way, uh, albeit extended diatribe, which I'm way more guilty than anybody in the universe of the extended diatribe. Uh, But we haven't addressed uh, how we then like dealt with the family side. So Mm -hmm. um, mom gets teary, like you can, I'll give my very succinct version. I told my family, we're not having kids.
1: But I think your family actually were okay with that much more than mine. Way
0: more, way more. For sure, a thousandfold. But even like I felt exactly the same with your family that I felt with mine. So in terms of how I would handle it, it's this is my life. This is my decision. I love you guys immensely. um, But this is like my life. Like It doesn't even like enter into it for me to contemplate what somebody else is going to think about my decisions. Mm. So... um, yeah, but I, I think, feel bad. Like yeah, I love I your mom I to death, gonna... and I want to like I want to make her happy, but not more than like I need to make decisions that make sense for my life.
1: Right, and I think that when I sat down with my mom and really told her, like she realized that what can she do? Right, like are you going to try and persuade me? Well, that's why would you try and persuade someone to do something that they're not keen on doing?
0: And that's a great point. Like at the end of the day, like your family—they're the ones that have to adjust, not you. Like. And I say this, like, abruptly only because I feel like I'm fighting against so much cultural pressure in the opposite direction, but it's not your family's decision. Like, they need to get over it and deal with it, and um, that's like that to me is critical and people have to learn how to say no. People have to learn how to live their life. People have to learn to not let other people pressure them into doing things and yes, there's going to be inevitable conflict and yeah, there might even be hurt feelings but at the end of the day, if you're living your life and you're not trying to do anything to hurt them, we're very loving and supporting of our family and vice versa for sure but when it comes to I'm going to do what I think is best. At the end of the day, period, for us, like, Mm -hmm. and you literally can't let other people into that. And that's like when the person said, you know, um, their mother-in-law was living with them. Like, answer number one is, if at all possible, get them out of the house. Like, that's just, yeah, you need to do that. Like, I I feel that people let their family encroach way too much on their lives, way too much. And other people, like, in it. People that let their family encroach, it doesn't stop with their family, right? It's like other people, their job, their everything. Like, it's just they're so overly sensitive to what other people want from them that they never like boundaries, lines. And I think, honestly, like we haven't even talked a lot about this. I learned a lot of lessons in high school because I was like the guy that you turned to um, who never said no. Like If you needed like advice, help, whatever, I would be on the phone for hours and hours and hours with people. Um, that pathologically needed attention. And I did not understand that. Like there's no answer. There's nothing I'm going to be able to say to this person ever that's going to make them go, cool, I have enough. Thank you so much. I'm going to go implement this advice. So at some point I was like, this is so draining and it's not going anywhere. If it were draining, but like you see them advancing and progressing as a human, awesome. But when it's draining and it's a loop, so that's where I realize, okay, no nope, lines, boundaries, all critical, gotta have.
1: Yeah, them. you're really, really um, into your like hard lines with every decision bright lines, and baby. bright lines. Thank you. That's the one you said. Well, a follow up question from yeah. Julia Feldman Cherner says, "Do you think you could ever regret not having children? One hundred percent. Once you're too it. old to have them, and you'll see your friends' children grow up and take care of each other, and then their grandchildren. How do you prepare for the potential regret? So yeah, you, we have so different
0: perspectives. He, it's interesting. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, my whole thing is you walk into a room, there are 1,000 open doors. Mm. You have to close all of them but one in order to move forward.
1: I've heard you say this a lot recently. It's like a though. new thing. Yeah, for me. is it? I, we were talking about something amazing. in like
0: a QA and it clicked. Yeah. And I was like, they were asking a question or something. And I just imagined yeah. them standing in a door with 1,000 doors. And I realized this is where people fail. Like th- each one of those doors is thrilling like you want to go through and look it's degrees right okay. like some degrees are interesting other degrees are like deep passion right. and on that spectrum it's like the paralysis is how like the moment i choose i'm gonna wish i had gone through another door and i really yeah. believe it's people who understand that is a fucking mental trick your mind is playing on you, it is not real. And you just have to move forward and you have to be able to emotionally close those doors. So something that I've gotten good at, this was not me being born good at this, I used to be paralyzed by this. But the thing that I've forced myself to get good at is I am closing on principle, to be who I wanna be, I am closing 999 of those doors with rapidity and going through a door. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that once I do that, I will have that sting of regret. I for sure, I already regret not having kids. There are moments where I'm with the babies, our furry children, and I feel like such love for them that I'm like, oh my God, like, can you imagine like if we had a toddler running around, like, it would be amazing. Or like a teenager who they're rebelling, but like you get the part of the cycle that they're in. And so it's like you're heartbroken, but it's amazing at the same time. And then like the wedding day and like walking them down the aisle and I would just be a mess. And it would be so beautiful. Like... I get it but the only thing that I want more than that is to every day wake up and say what do I want to create? What impact do I want to have on the world? Because children, I can't remember what philosopher said this but they said the only impossible job is raising children. It is the chaos theory at its finest. There are so many variables. There, there's just no way to do it right. A hundred percent. Like there, there are ways right. to create beauty and do wonderful things and all that, but there are also like avalanches of problems and pain and suffering. And there is a reason that people's happiness goes down. So I know that if the door I walk through is kids, I'll regret more the things that I could have done with my life. Or, and this is why I didn't close the door on you. And I said, hey, if that's something you really need, like I. I am committed to you, woman. I am committed to you. So if you had said, I need children to be fulfilled and to thrive, of course we're going to have kids. Like that would immediately have tipped the balance for me in that direction. No problem. I would close the other 999 doors. I would walk through that. I would have the regret, but just like I have the regret of not having kids now, but I would still walk through confidently and build a beautiful life around that. But the one thing that I told you, you're the caretaker, not the sole caretaker but you can't ask me to give up my ambition. So that means that just from an hour's perspective, you're gonna be putting more hours into the kids. The kids would become your full-time job. Mm -hmm. Building the company, generating revenue and all that would become my full-time job. If the kids ever didn't have a roof over their head, food to eat, that is my responsibility, not yours. But if I come home and the kids are in a state and a total mess, that's your responsibility, not mine.
1: But you would also come home and then feel obligated to spend time with them. So, another thing. so you would go, okay, well, to not interfere with my ambition and my drive and what I'm trying to do with the business, I can spend an hour or so with them or however long. And then where does that leave me?
0: Yeah. So in fact, I have a crushing sense of obligation to our dogs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which you and I have talked about.
1: Yeah.
0: And it is... So you're totally on the money. Like just now, so we have a thing, which, wow, I really don't want to get into this. But um, when our dog, so we do wee pads so that we don't have to take our dogs out at little. any given interval. They're very small. Um, that way we could be maximally flexible. We try to make sure that they um, get out virtually every day and um, our assistant walks them and they get lovely long walks and all that. But um, when they were, our actual last set of, Dogs, Batman, bless his little soul. Um, he had a thing with, I think it's called coprophagia, where they <laughs> they don't entirely digest their food. So they would, um, if their business was left out too long, they would actually consume it. That horrifies me. I can't even like bring myself to say it in a succinct way. So we started giving them treats uh, when they went potty. What? So they wouldn't do that. And, um, so now that's like a whole thing, like to give them treats and literally right before we were supposed to go live, like they had gone potty and you were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you can't like leave it. Like the poor dogs, like they have this cycle and they get a tea and like, sorry, we say that cause that's code. So they don't start freaking out. <laughs> the they get a treat. And, um, like that sense of obligation for me is very, very extreme. And when we didn't have an assistant, I used to have to take them for walks every time. I would be so exhausted Mm -hmm. late at night, early morning, whatever. And I would like, I have to take them because I feel that crushing sense of obligation. I know it would be 10x with kids.
1: oh, So yes, I would
0: come home and spend time with them. Yeah, So then that's more distance between you and I and just, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's funny how we come to the same conclusion, but we don't actually process it the same. So for me, um, I really think about... Um, what's the worst case scenario? Like, that's actually the first thing I ask myself. Like, what is the worst... If I don't have children, what is the, the worst case for me that I would regret? Like, what are those things? And going back to dying, <laughs> we spoke about yeah, this. Like, but I literally think, like... So I'm obviously not getting any younger. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> you need to figure out... This is out. a one-way you need, street? You need to figure it out, you?
1: Um, and so I think to myself... Um, you know, like I'm each year, like I'm my chances of getting pregnant if I really want to do it, getting worse and worse and worse. Right. Um, and so I get that the clock is ticking for me. So it, there's no real cushion now to change my mind. Probably a few years, but still. Right. Um, so I just go, OK, well, if I can't change my mind, and I can only make the decision right now. What is that worst case scenario? And the worst case scenario is, God forbid, something happened to you. Right, and you are the center of my universe, the center of my universe. And so, if we had a daughter or a son, I would still feel that connection with you, and I would still feel like I have a piece of you with me. And, and you can latch
0: onto them like a succubus. Yeah, and like drain I probably, their will to live. Sadly,
1: I, I I may do that, especially initially. Right, like, <laughs> but but I would. I'd be like, who's calling oh, mom you're, today? I'd be like your dad. Like he would have done this, and like I really would have found. Joy and emotional pleasure and satisfaction in turning to the children. Um, And so if something happened to you and we didn't have children, what am I left with? Right. Like who cares about money, the house, like all of that? It doesn't matter. Like what am I left with? I would feel very empty. And so I think about that. And so initially, once we would decided to not have children, I actually mentioned to you about freezing my eggs mm. and freezing your sperm as a like, just in case, like kind of like as a backup plan, right? right? And I think that that's a good An idea. And Yeah, like in kind of thinking about it. But then I thought, well, if something happened to you, I wouldn't then go and have a child. No. Like
0: That'd be mm. super weird.
1: Like I just, yeah, I wouldn't find... The satisfaction that I would looking for in that, so then it was I was just really doing it as a backup if I got too old to be able to have kids, and so I really did process every little thing or like what happens when I'm in my seventies and something happens to you. Sorry, I hate to like keep bring it back to something happening. Yeah, why to do you.
0: I keep dying young? Well, I don't who understand else though? Like, if here. I'm
1: dying, then I don't care. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so I would really think about like in my 70s, like, people always say they don't want to be alone, well, I surround myself with people, like, to build real connections, so I don't think it has to be, like, you give birth to them for it to matter, like, I have a sister that I'm completely, like, we say that we come from one soul, like, I love my sister so much that I want to be around her in my 70s, I want to be around my brothers in my 70s, so, like, I don't think it has to be a child. I want to be around my friends, about the community that we're building right now to be able to be in my seventies and have this community that is embodying impact. Like I think about those things. Right. And then I think about what I'd have to give up on my day to day. And I weigh my options and I think, okay, well for me not having children is the best. And I, could definitely regret it, 100%. Like, just embrace it. One day, I may make, I may look back and say, Lisa, what on earth were you thinking? I'm watching this video right now in my 60s going, you're so stupid, I can't believe you made that decision. That's a big possibility, and I'm aware of that. And I think almost being aware of it allows me to be okay with it. Because I have to make a decision one way or another. You can't kind of, kind of have kids. Like, either I'm going to or I'm not.
0: You could borrow kids.
1: Yeah, you could.
0: But adopt that adopt an intern
1: yeah a grown intern
0: uh okay enough kid questions all right what else do we have let's
1: go on to another question um <clears throat> this question is from Lorena Padilla I think I'm pronouncing that right how do you improve communication in having a lot of trouble communicating at a deeper level with my partner both of us have a lot of work and other activities I feel so far from him is there something you could recommend
0: Yes. So it starts with finding a um non-judgmental, non-threatening way to let him know that you need more time. So um you this happens to you with some frequency, not crazy, but and you just say, "I'm feeling distant right now." Mm-hmm. And so when you say that, because you're not abusive of it, because I know that like a lot is going to have to be happening for you to get to that stage. Um When you say that, then we say, okay, we've got to really schedule some time where it's just us. Um, You know, when something like that happens, we may even cancel if we had like plans with somebody else on the weekend or something, we'd cancel that and just make the weekend just about you and I. Um, nine times out of 10, we would just do it at the house, but maybe then we even like do a quick little short getaway or something like those are the times where you, you need to, and again, like this is where we've talked about it in an emotionally sober state where she's not like feeling the burn. And she said, Hey, there are times where I go through this and I do feel a bit distant and I want to reconnect. And how would you like me to express that to you? So even that, like we agree ahead of time, like how do I want that expressed? What's that magic phrase that I want to hear? And we agreed on, I'm feeling distant. Um, And the reason I think that word works for us is then you like wanna come back together. Mm. Like you want to be close, right? There needs to be physical closeness. There needs to be communication, no distractions. Um, really like changing the routine, breaking the routine, whatever you need to do to make sure that you come together. And then, quite frankly, we've built into our routine prophylactics against that. And so, even though I tease her about the um, synchronized mastication, uh, <laughs> like eating, <laughs> right? We eat together um, on the weekends, especially like. I make sure that we do that. So, and almost always, not always, always, but almost always, we eat dinner together every night. Um, So, even if I just like break away for 20 or 30 minutes to eat dinner and then I go back to work, like we will take that time. We'll sit together, we'll chat. um, And, doing those two things. So one, just sort of proactively trying to build things into your schedule and things that are respectful of what each of you need to make sure that you're getting that. Um, and here's a great quote. Women need to feel loved to have sex. Men need to have sex to feel loved. That was very beneficial for you and I to yeah. really understand sort of how we're coming at that. Um, so, But
1: really beneficial to understand. Yeah.
0: So making sure that you're talking about these things and always doing that in a sober state. So, and when I say sober, I mean emotionally sober. So don't try to have the conversation when you're feeling it and you're feeling neglected and feeling distant and all of that. In those moments, you really need to put the things together that are one, fun, so don't come at it from like a place of I can't believe you've left me feeling distant. Mm -hmm. Like you wanna just, okay, set that aside for a minute. What could we do together that would be really fun? What would we enjoy? Do that, get into like a happier, brighter place. And from there you can discuss like how do we prevent this from happening in the future? What are the words that I can do that are non-judgmental, non-confrontational, that, that you agree, like this is the phrase that I want to hear so that we know what the trigger is. Um, and then you know, just talk through it. And then this is where I feel compelled to remind people that selection is the most important decision you will ever make in the relationship. So if you're dealing with somebody who's fixed mindset, who doesn't want to talk, who rolls their eyes at you every time that you want to talk about something. That's already problematic from a selection standpoint Um, and conversely if you have somebody who it's like never enough and like they're just in like a bad loop and they can't break out of it and like realize that there are going to be times where you're going to need to be separate and so they're very abusive of the like well this is what I need and so you need to give it to me and like that would be a nightmare. And we've all met people like that that are emotional by, and they're just draining and it's like, God, they're never in a good mood. It's always negative. It's always pessimistic. Like that too would get really, really old. So make sure that you select somebody that fits your natural style. It's not necessarily helpful if you're already in a relationship, but I'm a huge fan of if you're in a relationship that is dysfunctional at like a core fundamental level, not from a tactics level, because the tactics you can always change, but from a core fundamental, like this person has a fixed mindset, Um, they live in a hostile universe. So like Einstein said, the most important decision any of us have to make is whether or not you live in a hostile or friendly universe. And it's a decision. It's just a choice you make, right? Mm-hmm. It's neither, but you decide that hey, this is a world where things work for me. Things are coming together to try to help me, and you're essentially optimistic, or are you pessimistic? I couldn't be with somebody who was a fixed mindset and pessimistic. I'm not spending my time in that universe.
1: Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about um, doing it when you're emotionally sober and stuff, a big thing that we was like, let's we can now predict the pattern. Right? Because it is a pattern. Right. I know that if we go, let's say, two full weekends in a row, where I haven't felt like me and you have spent real quality time together, whether it's one or two hours just sitting outside eating our food or whatever like I now can foresee it will start to drain on me and then what will happen is I will start to look for things ways to see if you're paying attention right and it's it will then go into um like let's say we haven't really hung out for a while and I dress up really nice and you don't say anything then the you not saying anything actually like really upsets me even more because now I'm holding on to some attention like I'm searching for it and you don't give it to me now. Now, two weeks before that, I may mean, not have thought twice about it. I remember, like, yeah, I think oh, I right. look good and I feel good, and so it doesn't matter if you say anything to me. But a couple of weeks down the line, if you've been really busy and then that happens, my reaction is going to be different.
0: Can can I break your rhythm? I don't yeah. know if you were done there, but I wasn't um, done. But remind um, me pattern. pattern. Yeah. So there's something really important that I want people to hear. Like she'll actually articulate it just like that. Like. She'll maybe get annoyed or something, and I'll be like, Whoa, like, what was that? And then you'll actually go, You know what? Here's what it is. And that is, I think, our secret power as a couple being able to go, Maybe what I'm feeling is petty, fine, but this is actually what I'm feeling, and to articulate it calmly and in like detail and if you just listen and don't judge the other person and don't say well you shouldn't be feeling like that right and that was something that we talked about that very was early big, on like yeah. don't don't ever say like the other person shouldn't be feeling something right cuz you feel it and it's real and there's nothing anyone could ever tell you that's going to make that seem less yeah. valid like so- i'm going through it i'm feeling it right now and so we don't judge each other when the emotion is petty, when it's aggressive, when it's whatever. It's like, okay, cool. I'm so grateful that you've articulated that to yourself, to me, and now like we can meet on common ground and like you you always say this. You start with one fundamental question. Does that person love me? Okay, they love me? Awesome. If they love me, I know they're coming like maybe they're just in a weird place right now, whatever, but they love me. So this isn't an attack. This isn't them trying to hurt me or bring me down. Like they're trying to get me to understand something so I'll come at it from that perspective and let's you know find that common ground all right pattern
1: yeah, yeah um that's absolutely right i just basically look at patterns now right and go how do i prevent this cuz that's the one thing is that sometimes people get into arguments or they butt heads um, they may kind of resolve it in the moment, but then they don't think about how do I prevent this in the future? Because having the same argument or the same problem over and over and over and over, and over, and over again is just like it's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time that you could be spending bonding and improving, getting better as a couple. And so we really do do that. Like once we've gone through, whether it's an argument or a disagreement or whatever, we'll then assess, like, how do I prevent this next time? And it's about pattern recognition, I think, right? It's about saying, well, I know that two weeks in a row, I'm not gonna, if I don't see him, if his schedule is really busy, I start to feel the burn. Even when I'm feeling amazing and our relationship is like really super tight. It's like I tell myself, don't be naive to think that you're not going to feel the burn again. And so if I see that your schedule is starting to get backed up, I'll come to you and say, look, I just how can we spend an hour together? How can we spend two hours together? What you know, your your schedule is going to be so busy over the next two or three weeks. It's going to be important to me that we spend time together and then you absolutely reciprocate on that one. You'll be like, absolutely. You know, and you will burn the house to the ground versus cancel on whatever that thing is that we've kind of decided it's going to be our, our joining moment and that's massive I think nice, yeah so communicating being honest um about how you're feeling and then going back to the pettiness like just being um if I do recognize that I'm being somewhat unreasonable or it's like you've got all this pressure and now I'm just adding pressure to you it's um yeah it's about like you still understanding where I'm coming from versus dismissing me I think that's really important. Mm. Like, or don't read. dismiss the way the other person's feeling, even if you don't feel like there's a reason for it, if you know what I mean. Right. All right. So it's um, 10.52, so we've probably got time for one more question. Okay. Um, all right, let's have a look.
0: You're vamping. I love that. No,
1: there was one question that I really liked. I'm just trying to find it again. Um,
0: dead air. Okay. This is
1: from Daniel Breeze. How would you approach compromising with your partner if there's a fundamental value disagreement? For example, one partner wants a big wedding, the other wants a small one.
0: Yeah. Um, Collision of values, as we call it. So when, and these are the I find like from an anthropological standpoint in our own relationship, I find them the most fascinating when we have a collision of values where it's like you want something and I fully understand. You've articulated it. I get it 100% and I vehemently disagree. And then what do you do with that? Um, So a wedding to me is really easy. Um, and that is, but uh, I, I see how this could get complicated. So let me answer it at a high level to me. This is me. To me, a wedding is for the woman. So it's like, whatever you want. Now there might be like, for me, the videographer, like was a thing. I really cared about that. The cake was a thing that was back when I ate sugar. So it was like, I wanted that to actually taste good. Um, but beyond that, it was like, yeah, I get it. Like whatever you want. Now, when, if it, kicks in and the couple's paying for their wedding and it's like, God, if we do a big wedding, it's going to be very expensive and all that. Um, then that can get tricky if it's, like, money v. wedding.
1: Right. And that's the thing I was, was going to say. Like, what is the real reason why you want a big wedding and what is the real reason why you want a small wedding? Right. Like, the real reason. Like, I've been dreaming this all of my life. Right. So, I really want to, like, that's, like, an emotional thing that I don't know if that woman can ever let go of, right? If If you say, like... I don't want a big wedding because it's too much fuss or whatever. And the woman's been dreaming about it. Like she's never going to forget that.
0: Yes. Very good point. And I think that's exactly what you have to do. You have to break it down. Like, okay, what, what are the honest values? Like what values are actually in a collision right now? Um, and then just working through them. So let's assume for a second that the collision is money. And I've been dreaming about this my entire life. In the moments where you have value collisions, that's the time where you really get to earn your reputation with each other. And remember, whatever happens in that value collision is going to carry forward. So you're going to learn something about each other, and this is important. So I would want you to learn, and I see it as a part of my identity, to really try to find a way for us both to get what we want. So I'm not going to draw a line and be like, Yeah, fuck you, motherfucker. Like, this is what I want. This is my value. You've not convinced me. I am utterly unconvinced. So, you know, we're having a small wedding. It's just how it's going to be. And we're going to save the money. Um, You want to find a way. Okay. Oh, okay. So, this is, you've been dreaming about this your whole life. So, it isn't like you need a lot of money spent. So, if we can find a way to get you the things that are really important to you, but maybe be more budget conscious than we would have been otherwise, like, you're okay with that. Yes. Awesome. And then you start working backwards. Also for me with my value system, even at our poorest, I would be thinking I can always make more money, but this is the only wedding I'm ever going to have. So this is very specific to this thing, but like just to give people an idea. So I would try to be budget conscious because I certainly don't want to be stressing out. I don't want to put myself in a position where I can't pay rent, all of that. Um, So it may be okay. Like to, we can invite 200 people to the wedding. Absolutely. Like if that's your thing. Um, but the date of the wedding now has to push back six months, a year or whatever. And we're going to save this amount of money every month. And we're going to put it towards a wedding. Mm -hmm. Can we agree? Like I'll do half, you do half, whatever, like that looks like. But like, this is how much we'd have to save so that it doesn't become stressful. So would you rather have 200 people? Would you rather have 150 people and get married now? Like wherever that sort of falls, where can we cut money? Like what's traditionally like the pain point? How can we reduce that? um and doing like so for instance one of the if i remember right like the the big expenses at a wedding are venue and food and drink and the wedding get yes? potentially mm, it was expensive but i think it's like a grand anyway know, okay yeah, so that not, one yeah. maybe is harder to deal with but like you could for instance say hey our gift registry is essentially bottles of wine to be brought to the venue um Doing things like that where it's like, okay, we're forgoing the traditional gifts, but you All find right, so ways to work it this All right, so take it because
1: out. we don't have long. Take it beyond just wedding then. Okay. So if you've got fundamental disagreements.
0: This is why most business advice sucks because to make it general enough, there, no one can actually go act on it. So the only thing mm. that's universal is when there's a collision of values, you have to get into a situation where each of you are assessing the importance to which that value means something to you and where the compromise lies. But this is what I, this is why, to me, in a relationship, you need to be somebody's number one, because it's all these little compromises. Like, you're going to compromise, compromise, compromise.
1: And the one thing we don't do is make the other person feel bad for what their value is. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I think a recipe for disaster. Like and don't, don't entrench don't...
0: in your position, like really try to see, like the other person might have a powerful insight into how you can get what you want, but it's like a little different also. And if you feel yourself entrenching, it may be because you've actually misidentified what it is that you actually want. And so you've identified and stopped at that, that like the culturally acceptable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cause let's really make it crazy in the wedding example. Maybe it's not she's been dreaming about this since she was a little kid. Maybe it's her dad never spent money on her and now she's got like a real thing about money. Or maybe he grew up in an unstable financial household and so for him holding on to the money is Mm -hmm. a big thing. And I hate like doing the male-female thing, but just like to give you an idea. Get to the
1: core of the actual reason. Exactly.
0: And so if like... That's like then talk about that. Like you really have to go internal Mm -hmm. and identify like what's really driving. And I find that the trigger for me to really self-assess and recognize that I haven't figured that thing out is that like as the person is solving the problem I said was my problem, it's not emotionally addressing what I feel. And so then it's like you actually haven't identified what's really driving this behavior. And it's scary how often like something other than what you've identified and maybe you even secretly know, but like it's not culturally acceptable, which is why we've gotten good at it's petty, it's ugly, it's childish, whatever, but it's real. And at least being able to confess that to your partner is so critical.
1: Right, and then if, even then, if we've been able to articulate and express and now we actually get where each other are coming from and it's really not about the wedding, it's about these other emotions that we've been carrying um, and we still disagree, like, that's okay. Like, the one thing that we've said in the past is at one point, you used to always try to convince me, right? Like, you tried, even if you understood where I was coming from, you tried to convince me to think about it your way and that ended in disaster time and time again because it was like... Just, I really, like, this is what I believe. Like, stop trying to... Like I've heard everything you had to say and I understand everything you have to say, but I still disagree and it's okay. Like don't feel like now we're on completely different. um, We can't relate to each other just because we don't agree with each Mm. other. Um, That's not the case. Like I completely relate to you. I just don't think the way you think. And then if you try to convince me, then you're like making me feel bad about the way I think and like, what am I not good enough anymore? Because I don't think like you. Um, And that was a big realization for you. Yeah. Don't try to convince me. Exactly. But still have the debate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially like the thing I really learned was definitely don't try to convince them there in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like, because now it's like, now you just you're arguing, you're not talking anymore. Yeah. And yeah, and that's like something that the need to do that has really dissipated as I've gotten more secure in myself. Mm. So yeah, earlier in our relationship, I remember thinking, Jesus, like, this is a mess, like constantly trying to convince you, it's making you feel badly about yourself. And I'm getting worked up, like I'm trying to win, I'm trying to be right.
1: And that's a big thing is like not thinking about it of winning an argument or being right right, or getting what I want, right? Like me and you very often, well, we'll be talking, I feel so passionately about something and I'm like, I just don't get it. And you'll articulate and I'll be like, stop, just listen, just listen to what he has to say. And then if it starts making sense and I'm like, okay, don't reply, just keep listening, keep listening. And then, then I need time to process. I'll say to you, I've heard you. Thank you for being so honest and articulating articulating it to me. Um, I need to think about it. Mm. And then we'll break free. I'll go think about it. And then we'll come together almost like as a conclusion. Like once my guard is back down, once my emotion, I'm back to like emotionally sober again, and I can just repeat what you said in my head, then I can respond with a either I agree or this is what didn't sit well
0: or... Right. Yeah, and I've talked a lot about Being able to recognize the right answer rather than trying to be right in a business context a lot. Um, But it's maybe even more powerful in a relationship. Being able to to say mid-argument, you know what, actually, I totally see your point. You're 100% right. And do like a 180 right there in the moment. Like, that's super powerful.
1: And if you do that more, I think that the other person ends up doing it more as well in the next discussion. For sure.
0: And then when you really like... Put your foot down and you're like, I- I'm just not swayed. I'm not convinced. The other person's like, dude, like 70% of the time, right. like when a compelling argument is put out there, they'll change on a dime. So mm-hmm. I n- they're not stubborn by nature. So if they're really like saying like, no, this, like, this is really what I believe and I'm not swayed, you know that it's not just them being stubborn, right. which is nice. We must be over time.
1: Yeah, we are. So basically also project the behavior that you want to receive.
0: No question. Is the key takeaway there. Indeed.
1: All right. We're over time.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us and for submitting your questions and hopefully for sharing it and entering to win uh, this amazing Impact Theory mug. And if you (laughs) didn't win, of course, you can always go to the Impact Theory store on impacttheory.com. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye.